Hello and welcome to the Nauru Fastcast with your hosts, Dave and Josh Masson. Pull up a chair and listen to us discussing fasting and health-related topics. Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Nauru Fastcast. It's just me, Dave, on my own today. So I want to talk to you about a topic that I find really, really fascinating. And I only really sort of learned a little bit about it a couple of years ago. We've written lots of things on our social media about it, but we haven't actually dedicated a, a small part of the podcast. So today I'm going to talk to you about zone two training and heart rate variability as it tends to, is it seemingly becoming quite a, a trendy thing to have on wearables and lots of um, big companies like Garmin and things like that are introducing updates on their watches now to to for this to be a measure and it's a and it's it also plays not if you're an athlete or not if you go out running but if you're doing general if you are sort of like to keep generally fit it's also a really good metric to keep an eye on because it does speak to your overall health okay so zone two training now if you haven't heard of zone two training or you don't even know what zone is it's basically when you uh, uh, look at your heart rate and how it changes with um, effort so we look at there's five different zones okay and what we do is we take your max heart rate which is usually 220 minus your age and that gives you your approximate maximum heart rate and then we break up that into zones okay so if you think about zone one being a really light jog or a sort of brisk walk your heart rate isn't going to elevate that much so as the exercise um, intensity increases you then start migrating through those zones and the, today what I'm going to focus on is just zone two of those five different zones. So we've already said about how to calculate out your zone, uh, how to calculate your max heart rate. And that is 220 minus your age. And that gives you your approximate uh, max heart rate. It's quite a good thing to do because it then just helps you to kind of work out where where you sort of should be. Um, and it's just a good key metric to, to, to sort of just really understand. So, so zone two training. So, what is it, and how would I best describe it? So, to best describe it, it should be that you should be able to do a run, and you should be able to have a conversation. But it should be sort of laborsome to do some to do it. So, it should be hard work to have a conversation. But you still should be able to have a conversation. You're not you're not running and thinking oh or, or or jogging or 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 you know on your bike saying. Okay, let me just get up this hill and I finish it in a minute. The idea is, is you should continually be able to talk through that exercise. And that's a, if you're not using your heart rate, then it's a good way of just understanding where, where you should be. So there are two different ways to, to measure it. One is 220 minus your heart and minus your age gives you your obviously max heart rate. And you want to be exercising within 60 to 70% off that. Okay, or you can do which is a lot easier 180 minus your age, and that's your kind of ceiling heart rate that you want to be exercising at. So, why would you want to do? We've spoken at nauseam about the benefits of resistant exercise. So, for me, I really have learned to try and mix the two. I was doing a huge volume of of exercise aerobic exercise three to four times a week i would do um thursday friday saturday sunday runs and i'd probably do um 10 minute weight sessions you know in between then but heavily focus on aerobic because i used to find it was a really good um, mental reliever and it just really sort of something i'd always done in my life until i kind of realized i was doing it all wrong so 
zone two training so resistance training is, is crept into being slightly more part of my daily routine and the reason is is because if i just give you two examples of metrics now obviously i'm talking about older people here but there's one for as you get older and one for at any age okay so if you take a 65 year old for example and they were to fall and break a hip or a femur then they would have an increased risk of dying between 15 and 30% within one year of falling. So it just speaks to how through all eight, through all sorts of stages of life, how important it is to maintain muscular strength and muscular tone, okay? The, another thing is if you take the um, strongest person of any age and any sex, okay, and took them in the sort of the highest 15 to 20%, and then you took the weakest person in any age, any sex, okay, in that, you know, the bottom 15 to 20%, and compared them, then the weakest person in that 15 to 20% has a 200% increased risk of death versus if you're in the top 15 to 20%. So it just goes to show that strength is such a core part, and we've talked about the benefits for diabetes and you know longevity, etc. But it still doesn't negate the fact that aerobic fitness is still very important. So how the numbers stack with this? Well, if you take the government's recommendation of doing around about 150 minutes of exercise, of moderate intensity exercise a week, you reduce down your all the causes of death by 31%. And the thing is, is you might think, right, well, okay, that's fine. So 31% reduction in death of caused by everything. So what if I did you know, what if I 4x that? And the thing is, the, the, the correlation between the all-cause mortality going down and the number of minutes of exercise duration doesn't is not linear. So if you take 600 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise, you actually only get a 8% reduction in all-cause mortality. And that's usually just for a slight improvement of cardiovascular health and reduction in sort of cancer risk. So it doesn't actually benefit from you going all out doing hours and hours and hours the evidence really is most efficient around about that 150 minutes which is why which is 30 minutes of exercise roughly most days of the week um but that's where i like to sort of say well you could probably interplay resistance training into that as well so okay so why is zone two training very beneficial okay so we've talked about those five different zones and now i'm going to go back to picking one of those zones which is zone two the benefit is that it improves heart rate variability. And we're going to kind of get onto this a little bit later about the importance of that. It also helps to improve the number of mitochondria in your muscle cells. Okay, now zone two training predominantly means that you're going to be you're going to be sort of burning slow twitch muscle fibers. And these types of muscle fibers predominantly burn fat as fuel. So you become very efficient at burning a larger a fuel source. So I've said this many times, but when you think about it for a long distance athlete, for example, your body has a ratio of around about 40,000 calories stored in fat and 2,000 calories stored in glucose. Now, if you're working in a zone that accesses fat as, as the main fuel source, you're gonna have access to such a larger volume of energy for a longer period of time, and therefore you're gonna be able to maintain a pace over a longer distance of time without then crashing. And the problem is, is that in zone two, when you creep in from zone two to zone three, you then start to build up, you start to burn 
glucose and that then needs to lactic acid buildup and we'll get onto that in a minute okay so in essence now it isn't just aerobic training so hit training which is obviously will be higher into your sort of zone three and zone fours that can cause mitochondria biogenesis so a growth of new mitochondria however it does is not as efficient and not as um it doesn't occur as often as zone two training. Now, you don't want to be like most athletes do about 80% of zone two training and 20% in zones three and four. So it's not something you want to be doing regularly. Now, excess, uh, so it's sort of energy, which is what mitochondria produced, which is the currency of the body. If you cannot efficiently produce energy, then the body does not function properly when it's very at the core of things like Parkinson's disease, you know, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes. All of these things are caused by in the body's inability to, you know, efficiently produce energy. OK, so zone two training helps the mitochondria to utilize our largest fuel source, which is fat. It helps us to be more efficient at producing energy. When you become more efficient at producing energy, your body runs more efficiently, you have more access to energy more quickly, and also at resting rates, you're able to produce, and if you're able to use, sorry, energy sources more efficiently from fat rather than having to rely on glucose. And this also speaks true to when you exercise, and we're gonna get onto that in a minute. So we were talking just a minute ago about muscle fibers okay so we've got the difference between fast twitch and slow twitch muscle fibers so in zone two you predominantly use type one slow twitch muscle fibers and these obviously contain the largest concentration of mitochondria which will predominantly want to be burning fat in that period okay now fat obviously we've gone with that again about how it's got the largest um, access to energy that you can carry going forth okay now when you start going to zone three which predominantly is type 2a muscle fibers they're the fast twitch muscle fibers and they then start to use glucose now when glucose is metabolized and it's used as an energy source you tend to produce lactate now obviously lactic acid buildup that can impair performance and we've all had that problem where you know you go to a hill and you start running up and your legs start to burn and burn and burn now, why is zone two training really beneficial for this? Because obviously when you are exercising, if you go out for a light run or a light walk, your body is gonna be using more, having, you're gonna be going up through your heart rate zones when you go and do exercise that's maybe up, that's got an incline in it. And the good thing about doing lots of zone two training is you actually encourage the body uh, to be efficient at drawing the waste products of so the lactate from your zone three exercise and drawing it back in to the mitochondria and using it as energy source. So you take the lactate, lactic acid, you draw it back in through an upregulation of a receptor called MCT1. And this then draws it back into the mitochondria in the slow twitch muscle fibers. They turn the lactate into a pyruvate and then you can use that as energy source. So it's, so it's very clever. So this really does help to sort of mitigate against that sort of burnout that you get during a race, and which is why it's so efficient at exercising in that way. And just for general health, you know, we talked about one of the biggest benefits of it is being efficient at, you, you know, increasing the currency that's used across the body 
which is ATP, the mitochondria produce that. And if you can have your muscles with a bigger concentration of mitochondria, more, effect, more efficient at producing energy, your overall health is going to be improved massively. Okay. So for me personally, I have done a half Ironman. I've climbed mountains. I've done lots of endurance exercise in my 30th year. I did 30 um, races or 30 events to mark my 30th year. And I was always, my mindset was, well, I want to keep to a seven minute mark. So I want to do, want to sort of do a half marathon at this time. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do this consistently until each time I can get further and further, and further, I can, you know, my distance can go, can increase. And I was just, it used to take me forever. And I never used to feel great after doing a big run. I used to feel absolutely smashed. And especially about a, I was tired or things. And you know, here's a classic scenario for you. How many times do you, have you had a bad day at work? Have you had, you know, a stressful day with the kids and you just go, right, I need to go out for a run. I need to go out and smash myself. So you go out for a run and you absolutely hammer yourself. And you come back, you feel mentally good. You know, the endorphins flowing around. But then afterwards you feel tired and then maybe you wake up the next day and you don't realize it but you're actually feeling knackered and you might come back and smash loads of carbohydrates because you're just you're completely devoid and what you've basically done is you've gone in you've done a massive zone three four run and use predominantly just glucose those just those tiny 2000 calories come back completely depleted in glycogen stores and maybe if you're tired and you haven't been eating enough um, carbohydrate maybe your glycogen stores are depleted anyway so you come back you completely knackered your your cortisol levels are high inflammation response goes up and the thing is about zone two training is you don't get any of those negative responses after exercise you're still going to have that slightly raised parasympathetic state because obviously you've been exercising but you do not get that raise in inflammation and cortisol as much after you come back from a zone two training session so if your focus is longevity, health, just going out for a run, want to enjoy exercise, do not go out and think you've got to beat people on Strava. The best thing to do from my personal experience is to ignore all that. Go out for a zone two training. It feels like you're going out for a walk at the start. And the more you do it, the more you'll improve. And it is better for your overall health. It truly is. So how do we know what's you know what's going on in the athletic space to to sort of really understand and this really opened up my eyes and i'm gonna to have to check this guy's name out because he's the first person to ever break the two hour mark his name is Eliad kipoje and this guy does 220 to 200 kilometers a week of running and his schedule is around about 85 percent in zone one and he spends around 15% in zone two and three. And this is because when you start going up into zone two, three, you start to increase the risk of injury, but also it's all about the baseline of your health building on that. So your body's ability to generate energy is its main currency to sustain that level of energy generation for a longer period of time. Now, most, if you look at the literature, most athletes will be um, using zone two as part of their training for around about 60 to 75 percent of their overall training so you can see actually it's quite a large body of what athletes tend to train in and it doesn't just 
you don't just get this it's benefit overnight you have to obviously like most things you have to continually train in that but if you're going to come from you know a, a really long fast or you're fasting it's just not a good idea to go and ham yourself whilst you're in a fasted state you're so much better off doing zone two training whilst you're in that fasted state or if you have had poor sleep long weekend you're tired you're hungover anything like that go out for that zone two training is going to be better for your health and it's not going to put as much stress on your body after you finish it so i mentioned heart rate variability okay so i'm just going to briefly go through this but it's a real um buzzword at the moment really in lots of the kind of um wearable space i have a garmin at the moment and you can measure this on there and we take heart rate for example so we know what heart rate is it's the number of you know beats our our heart beats in a minute okay and usually what we think of is that if the lower the heart rate for the individual the more effective the heart is at pumping okay now what we realize with a lot of bodily systems they're important you know we talked a couple of weeks ago on podcasts about the gut brain access so how the brain links with the gut the body is linked neurally to everything so the heart rate variability does have some it's, a, it's like a neurocardiac um, link so it speaks more actually to about the overall body state than just about heart rate so it's the measuring the timing between heartbeats and you've got um, parasympathetic you've got um, sympathetic and you've got autonomic systems that kind of interplay with this and obviously like anything it's the measurement of how well you are able to adapt stress so the fluctuations between your heart rate variability and how efficient you are at maintaining heart rate variability between these different um, situations will determine will actually it reflects for your overall health okay so it can also speak to your autonomic balance it can speak to blood pressure gas exchange your you know how well you are at moderating heart rate and also blood pressure but they're also liking this to um two different types so your because there is this neuro link so they're actually understanding that sort of um your depression anxiety they can um, it can be a marker for depression anxiety for ptsd for example and then when you look at it from sort of physical health you've got inflammation diabetes um, fatigue uh, insomnia etc and the other really interesting part of this is that you also get changes because we do talk quite commonly about the um, circadian rhythm so this if you've new to the circadian rhythm it's a it's a rhythm that runs through our body and it's a our hormone cycle that basically peaks in the morning to wake you up goes down in the afternoon then raises up again in the evening now everything in our body oscillates so it's changing because our environment is changing so much whether you kind of are currently in a stressful environment or you're you are then challenged with doing something and then you're at rest and then something happens you get up again so your body is constantly changing and what they're understanding is that this heart rate variability there are so many other things that moderate it and one of the things they realize is the circadian rhythm now this is a 24-hour cycle that occurs through our body and, and almost all animals and it affects around about 80 to 90 percent of all cells in our body now everything works we've got 
um, trillions and trillions of cells in our body and our body needs to do millions of things at once and at specific times and what the circadian clock does is it basically helps to um, manage all the systems when they need to do things at certain times now there are three things that really tend to affect that and this is why i always come on to it because you've got sleep which is really important you've got sunlight which is why we talk about sunlight timing in the morning and then nutritional timing so obviously because the gut is a massive part of the of the system so nutritional timing so fasting and they've realized that the oscillations between your heart rate variability are also influenced by your circadian rhythm so just to sort of summarize today's sort of podcast if you're going to go out and do any form of exercise aerobically so you want to get your heart rate going try and do zone two training i feel for me and when i read the literature it really is emerging as being one of the best places to be exercising in and you will go out and actually really enjoy it because you get into this state where you're not gasping for air your muscles aren't screaming at you it actually becomes enjoyable because you've accessing this massive source of energy you can train and run for longer you don't come back completely knackered and it just makes you feel better two it's great when you're fasting if you're tired if you are stressed from work go out and do a zone two training the impact on your body is far less number three it's so much better for longevity um, overall health cardiovascular health every metric zone two training is fantastic and if you are looking to do any performance then obviously go and speak to a, a performance coach about it and see where this can fit in your training because all train training in all zones is important not just in zone two training but hopefully next time you go out for a run you go out for a jog you do anything you take a look at your heart rate or you can manually measure it and just check where you are um, during that time and just try and think if I can maintain under that shelf of my of my sort of heart rate then I'm just improving my mitochondria my energy production and my overall health so I really hope today's podcast has been interesting I've really enjoyed it thank you so much for listening and please go to our social media on, on Instagram YouTube TikTok facebook and please go there to find loads more information about the topics we discuss in our podcast we've also got our 28 day intermittent fasting challenge which we'd love you to go and and check out it comes with a free ebook and you get twice weekly emails that just guide you through the uh, the fasting challenges and all of our daily challenges and once again thank you so much for listening and if you do get a chance please leave a comment or subscribe to our podcast thanks so much Thank <music> you.